I just want to tell you a story. It's a story that you know, the story of a man named Jonah. You know it because when you were a kid, most likely, it's one of the first Bible stories that you learned. Right after we teach kids about Noah and the ark, we teach them about Jonah and the whale. And um, just like we over-sentimentalize and kind of whitewash the story of Noah and the ark from, hey, everything died all at the same time, and we kind of domesticate it, and we just say, hey, the animals were happy, and there's a rainbow, you know, like, we do the same kind of thing with Jonah, I think, because we think Jonah is a story about a, a poor man who was swallowed by a whale, and he lived in the stomach of the whale for three days and nights, and then it all ended well. Like, that's what we think Jonah is, when in fact, Jonah is a story about a preacher, a preacher who was supposed to share the word of God with a city, and he ended up running the other direction because he had some uh, trouble in his heart about this call that God gave him to go and share the word with this city, Nineveh. When God came to Jonah, the preacher, and said, Jonah, I've been thinking about Nineveh, Jonah's gut reaction was, ugh, why would anyone think about Nineveh? Least of all you, God, why would you think about Nineveh? Ugh. Nineveh was the worst for Jonah, Nineveh was the enemy. It was enemy territory. If you can imagine, like, your least favorite place full of your least favorite people, that was Nineveh for Jonah. Those were the bad guys. And Jonah believed he and the Hebrew people were God's good guys. And Jonah liked that dividing line between the good guys and the bad. And so uh, Jonah did not appreciate God's mercy. And, and so he not only rejected God's call, he didn't just ignore God's voice. Jonah ran in the opposite direction of Nineveh. So Jonah was located here in, in Gath-Hefer and Joppa in that area. Nineveh was about almost 500 miles that direction. Jonah ran toward Tarshish, which was as far away as he could fathom at the time. After Tarshish, in Jonah's mind, was the end of the earth. That's where it just dropped off, right? That's, that was as far as you could go. And so Jonah went running for Tarshish. That's how much he couldn't stand the idea of going to uh, Nineveh. Now, it's crazy, I think. I think it's crazy to think about someone hating a city or a group of people so much that they would actually hope God won't save them. But that's exactly what's going on. We're going to read the story in a second. You'll see it for yourself. It wasn't that Jonah was afraid of going to Nineveh and preaching. It's that he didn't want the Ninevites to know God. And that sounds insane, especially considering he's a preacher. And it would be crazy if not for the fact that it's also happened to all of us and in all of our hearts. If not for the fact that we all have a Nineveh in our hearts. And you can say, I love everyone. No one believes you. All right? No one really believes you love everyone. And you want to spend eternity in heaven with everyone. No, you don't. Eternity is a long time to spend with your least favorite people. You all have a Nineveh, and so do I, right? Now, everyone's Nineveh can be different. It just depends on the type of person or the group of people that makes your skin crawl. And you know who I'm talking about, that group that you see on the news or on the streets of this city or on Twitter, if you ever wonder what your Nineveh is, just log on to Twitter for about half an hour and you'll find your Nineveh and you'll be someone else's Nineveh because that's how the world and the human heart 
work. So everyone's Nineveh is different, but everyone has one, for sure. Some people, you know, just can't stand the idea of liberal hippies and don't want to hang out with liberal hippies for five minutes, much less all eternity. And if that's you and God came to you and told you to go to Portland and preach the gospel in front of voodoo donuts, you'd be like, ugh, hippies, you know, with their granola and their agendas and their parades and all the stuff that I hate. Like, no, ugh, I'm not going to go. No, thank you. What's the opposite of Portland? I'll go that direction, right? So that's true for some people. For other people, you know, they feel an equal amount of, of dislike or hatred or discord with conservative Christians, right? So this may not describe any of you. It might. Who knows? But, you know, for some people, if the universe came to you and said, hey, go to Jasper, Texas and preach, you know, good vibes at First Baptist Jasper, you'd be like, Bleh. no, no, thank you. Bleh. Some people, everyone has different none of us. So some people don't like it when uh, women wear pantsuits and speak their minds. Uh, some people don't like it when immigrants uh, cross the border and don't speak the language. You know, uh, as I have found uh, on Twitter at times, there are many, many people who do not like or appreciate or value uh, straight, white, Christian, cisgendered men like me, right? Like there are people that do not like, like heteronormative, you know, Christian men, that kind of thing. Like there's a lot of vitriol in some circles toward people like me. Like I am someone else's Nineveh. We all have a Nineveh. And if we run from that idea, um, I, I don't think it does us or anyone else any uh, justice. So your Nineveh might be uh, one of the ones I've described already. Your Nineveh might be, uh, you know, a pride parade or a rally at the NRA. Your Nineveh might be College Station. <laughs> Your Nineveh might be Austin, Texas, which brings us back to the hippies and their granola. <laughs> Whatever your Nineveh is, just know that you have one. Jonah had one as well. His Nineveh was Nineveh, these enemies who were known by him and his people to be savages. They were known to be outlaws. They raped and pillaged at will. They did whatever they want. They were godless, heartless men. And God said, go there. And Nineveh was beyond the pale for Jonah. But Jonah realized uh, because of something he went through, and you'll see it played out in just a moment, he realized he couldn't hide from God. And so he went to Nineveh, and he preached the message there. And then the people in that city heard the message, and they actually turned to God. They turned away from their wicked ways. They turned to God, and God salvaged the city. He showed them mercy. And you would think that Jonah would feel a sense of accomplishment, but all that he felt was disappointment with God. It's not fair, God that you would love these people the way that you love me and my people. All right, this is what happened next, and this, this is, explains where Jonah's head is at. This is, I'm gonna start in Jonah chapter three, verse 10. It's gonna be on the screen, and you, you can see it there if you have your Bible and you're quick to find Jonah, uh, which I would bet Jonah's a little hard to find. It's right around Obadiah. If you know where Obadiah is, you can find Jonah. Uh, chapter three, verse 10, and we'll continue uh, for, uh, through chapter four, the end of the book. 
Here it is. Uh, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, those are the people of Nineveh, God relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So the people have turned toward God. They've turned away from their sin. Jonah still just waiting with popcorn, just hoping to see some fireworks that he wanted to see God destroy this city. He's just hoping against hope that God changes his mind. And then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. (laughs) All right, so, uh, all right, you get it. Jonah suddenly has a plant to cover him. He's very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Let's just stay right here for a second. Do you all see what God is saying? God's like, 10 minutes ago, you didn't even have a plant to cover your head. You didn't ask for a plant to cover your head. I gave you a plant to cover your head. It covered you through no doing of your own. And then the plant went away, and you're like, hey, that's my plant. You know, like there is a sense of fairness, and then there is a sense of entitlement. And there was a very thin line between, and Jonah was definitely erring on the side of entitlement. Jonah's like, I deserve that plant. That's my plant. And God's point is, you didn't ask for it, but I gave it freely. And when it went away, you acted like you deserved it. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, and uh, so God says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, it is. It is right for me to be angry. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. So Jonah, clearly uh, uh, an adolescent, apparently. But (laughs) I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And it should not, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. You see, God in his mercy spared the Ninevites, but Jonah lamented for the time when there were insiders and outsiders and he was an insider and they were the outsiders. He was a good guy and they were the bad guys. The darkest part of the human heart still craves the good guy, bad guy dichotomy. And we still want to see ourselves as good guys and those people as bad guys. We still want to see our, ourselves as worthy of the love and acceptance of God, but the people that are our Nineveh, not so much. And whenever God saved the people of Nineveh, Jonah's response was, it is not fair. So this is how all this ties into this conversation we're having this month. All month long, we're doing a series called Who Made God? It is about the questions kids ask about the Bible and about God. And I've been talking in interview style with groups of of the story kids, and a few things have become very clear to me. First of all, these kids are way smarter than I was, and they're smarter than I am. Like <laughs> these kids, I'm, I'm not just, I'm just, I'm just, they're backstage hearing this, but I, it's not to go to their heads. They're, they're so much smarter than I was when I was their age, thinking about the questions that they're thinking about. One of the most common questions that I heard was why is life not fair, or why is God 
not fair. And what, what, come, what comes out of that question is this idea that kids come prepackaged, pre-wired with a notion of fairness. It's like they, they come that way. And I think that's a good thing, that they come expecting fairness from their authorities because I think that speaks to their having been created in the image of God, right? So if you want to know how this works, just go check out a playground game of kickball when one team cheats and watch what happens. They, the other team will go to the teacher expecting a remedy or watch what happens when a father lets one of his kids play with his iPad for 10 minutes and then the other kid finds out and the other kid's like, where's my 10 minutes? It's not fair, right? So they come at this from a good place. The outcome of that line of thinking is not always great, right? So it, sometimes it turns selfish, sometimes it turns entitled, but the root of it, I think, is rooted in God, that expectation of fairness. Now, the dark side of that is that sense of entitlement, and that's where Jonah erred. Jonah erred on the sense of entitlement side. He was so blinded by his hatred of the other, so blinded by his hatred of Nineveh that he could not see how all along God had been gracious with him, how all along he had been Nineveh to God, and God still saved him. Jonah is disappointed with God saving Nineveh on the heels of Jonah running in the opposite direction that God told him to run. Do you see how entitled he was? God said, go to Nineveh for me, point blank, just very clearly. And Jonah said, no thanks, I'm going to go this way. And then he can't believe that God would save disobedient people like the Ninevites, failing to see his own sin. I think the lesson for us and Jonah is that we should ask a better question. Given our mistakes, given our sins and the ways we've been blind to those sins and the ways we've chosen to highlight the sins of others, <laughs> the question we should ask maybe isn't, should we expect God to be fair? Maybe a better question is, should we want God to be fair? If fairness means getting what you deserve, should we really want God to be fair? I think we should be very careful how we answer that question. I stand up here before you every single week in this place of uh, preacher. Like I've been ordained and I've been to seminary and got my master's degree in divinity. How awesome is that? Like I, I am a reverend, right? I wish I could be a very reverend. Those guys are my uh, spirit animals, very reverends. But one day, maybe. But listen, I act like I've got it all together up here. Just spoiler alert, I don't. I'm going to let you down. You're going to be shocked like by some of the thoughts that I have and some of the things that I say. Some of you have already been shocked by some of the thoughts that I have, things that I've said. I went to the movies last night, saw the worst movie. Just no redeeming quality, no Christian, no man of God should ever go see this movie. Hotel Transylvania 3. I'm just kidding. No, it was the, it was the Purge, all right? So I went to see the Purge. Don't go see the purge, all right? Uh, so dropped my kids off to see Hotel Transylvania 3. Went in to see the purge, full of sin. No shame about it for me. In fact, I was so shameless about it that I went to see the purge with pockets full of hot tamales that I bought at Walgreens because I didn't want to spend $200 on hot tamales at the movie theater, which makes me a thief. Y'all, I am a thief. I have bad thoughts. I tell lies. I am no one to stand here and tell you how to live, but God gives me this opportunity anyway. Far be it from me to feel entitled 
You see, my salvation is that leafy plant, right? That, that leafy plant that I didn't ask for, that was just given to me out of grace. And I should relish in the, the life that I have under the shelter of God. I should never stand up here high on my soapbox and, and judging everyone else. I should just be grateful that God has called me because I was Nineveh once to God. I think Jonah's lesson for us is that when we are at our worst, God chooses to give us his best. And when I have deserved a sentence for my crimes, God sent me a savior. When we deserved judgment, God sent us Jesus. And by his sacrifice, by his life, death, and resurrection, we live with this gift of salvation, this free gift that none of us asked for and none of us deserved. You see, God isn't just fair. God is more than fair. He isn't just fair. God is just with us. And he has deemed us worthy to know him and love him and celebrate him here today. That's what we're going to do with the rest of our time. The kids are going to come out in a moment. I just wanted to remind you, that you once were far from God, and because of his grace, you don't have to be anymore. God is more than fair, and thank God for that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that uh, you don't just give us what we deserve. You give us far, far more, exceedingly and abundantly more than we deserve. We love you. Thank you for your mercy, and we just revel in the shelter of your love. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.